Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father, for bringing us here together this evening, Lord, to learn about your word, Father. We ask, Father, that you will uh, use Rabbi Herbeck, Father, as the vessel to uh, be able to teach us and to learn, and that we are able to soak it all in, Father, and be able to live according to your word. We ask, Father, that those who are still in their ways here, Father, that you will keep them safe and bring them your safety so that we can uh, study together. We ask you all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, Galatians uh, chapter one, chapter five, uh, verses one to eleven, and uh, let's see, Andrea or Nikki, would you, one of you ladies, if you find it, whoever's the quickest. Galatians 5, 1-12? 1-11. Oh, through 11, okay. Yes. For freedom, Messiah set us free, so stand firm and do not be burdened by a yoke of slavery again. Listen, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Messiah will be of no benefit to you. Again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to keep the whole Torah. You who are trying to be justified by Torah have been cut off from Messiah, you have fallen away from grace. For through the... How do you say that word? Rock? Rock. Rock. By faith we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Messiah Yeshua, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any meaning, but only trust and faithfulness express, expressing itself through love. You were running a great race. Who blocked you from following the truth? This detour doesn't come from the one who calls you. A little... Hamets works its way through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will not think otherwise, but the one who is confusing you will pay the penalty, whoever he is. As for me, brothers and sisters, if I still proclaim circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the stumbling block of the cross has been eliminated. Okay, thank you. Uh, 12, 12 really continues the, the thought, so why don't you continue, uh, Andrea? Oh, I'm sorry? It's 12. Nikki. Nikki. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention, Go ahead. as I should have been. Go ahead. Okay. I only wish those who are agitating you would castrate themselves. <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, you want to say, uh, <laughs> Apostle Paul, how do you really feel? Um... As, as we've been seeing all along, uh, this for Paul is uh, by no means an issue of doctrine. Um, it, it, it is a matter of life and death um, as far as he's concerned. I think there's someone trying to get in. Should we uh, keep them out? <laughs> Thought maybe it was Elijah. <laughs> so, uh, as as uh, we've been saying all along here, um, there has been a great deal of controversy um, 
in in uh, uh, in in the body of Messiah regarding Galatians uh, for a variety of reasons. One is that oh, he must have uh, he must have left. Did you drive? Um, there, there's a great deal of misunderstanding because uh, it, it seems like you have a couple of uh, polar opposites in how people have approached Galatians. Um, there is the what I would call the antinomian. Um, I think you've heard that before, antinomian. Okay, which uh, means anti-law or anti-Torah. Uh, the folks who are convinced that what's going on here is Paul saying, um, hey guys, uh, enough of this uh, legalistic uh, observance of the Torah. Uh, you're free and you can just pitch it and, and you can have... Uh, a grand old free time and not worry about about these uh, rules and regulations that were given to the Jews that you're no longer responsible for. Um, so that's on one hand. On the other hand, there are the few feisty ones like ourselves who are convinced that this cannot be what Paul is talking about. Um, because of evidence that we see uh, in the book of Acts, you see that Paul and the early believers uh, were definitely Torah observant. They were anything but antinomian uh, because for them, following the Torah, observing the Torah was part of their relationship with God um, as something that God had established with Israel, you're a part of Israel, this is what you do. It's, it's a covenant faithfulness to the God of Israel for you to continue to keep the Torah. And so uh, the question that I pose from time to time is how, how could Paul be antinomian if, we, if people understand him correctly? On one hand, on the other hand, yet you find that he's very much committed to continuing to observe the Torah and for him a passionate commitment to Yeshua and observance of the Torah are not in conflict so our argument all along has been that some something uh, isn't connecting for people if they come away with seeing Galatians as anti-Torah uh, so often people look at Galatians as a an argument against legalism, which can be part of the picture. Uh, remember, we talked about legalism, and what is a basic definition of legalism? Self-righteousness. Hmm? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is one. What else is involved in legalism? Outward deeds. Outward deeds is what we see in... Uh, Yeshua saying in Matthew chapter 23, you guys are big on making sure that the cups are clean outside, but inside they're full of garbage. So outward deeds is one. Self-righteousness meaning I am 
Remember that the Pharisees stood up and said, God, I am awesome and cute and wonderful in this slime bucket over here. Uh, I don't know who he is. And the, and the tax collector stood up and said, God, have mercy on me. Uh, so so self-righteousness righteousness also involves uh, an attitude of judgmentalism towards other believers. So uh, legalism is definitely... Uh, something that uh, Paul is very much against. But if all we say is that this is against legal, legalism, then we're really missing what Paul, what Paul is trying to say to, the, to these guys. Uh, he calls them to go back to their early time when they first came into the kingdom and became believers. And he said, look, when, when you guys became believers, uh, that happened with the power of the Spirit of God taking place and you had joy in fact you you thought so well of me not that I'm interested in you thinking well of me but you thought of me as if I was an angel who had come and had to speak the word of God to you so what happened um, so that's kind of a little bit of review here that um, whatever Paul is really after it's not so much to slam something, even though it seems like that's what he's doing. What he's trying to do is put something down in order to raise something up. Because the goal is not to slam legalism. The goal is to make sure that these guys come back to a passionate love with Yeshua. And so everything here has been devoted uh, to that. So he, uh, in chapter 3, he talks about uh, the promise and he keeps coming back again and again uh, to the promise that was given by God and saying to uh, to the Galatians um, you're children of God and this is another another biggie um, that is very much an issue today um, and we at Yeshua Tzion devote a lot of time to speaking about identity issues. Um, if you don't know that you are a son or daughter of God, you're going to substitute all kinds of other identity. So when someone looks at you and, and they ask you, who are you? What comes out of your mouth is not, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a, woman, I'm a Jew, I'm a Gentile, etc., etc. But first and foremost is, I'm a son or daughter of God. Because if you have that straight, then all the other wacky stuff that comes down the pike will not come and grab you. Why? Because you're anchored and rooted in your relationship with God and your identity as far as who you are. You're less inclined to go off on on different um, on different excesses and heresies because because you know who you are, and and this is I would say as much as anything uh, an issue that Paul keeps coming back to again and again, and part of the picture is that of freedom. 
if you know who you are, you're not going to be in bondage. And folks, bondage is something that uh, that is not unique to legalists. If there's anything that uh, holds you and prevents you from following the Lord and serving Him, that's bondage. And we all have different aspects of it. And so um, I want to start off by reminding us that the lead up to this chapter, uh, verses 22 to 31 of chapter 4, Paul says, you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free, and furthermore, you're free. Um, let's pick up in verse verse 1 of chapter 5. It is for freedom that Messiah set us free. Oh. <coughs> what on earth does he mean by that? It's kind of like almost twisted way to communicate. What does he mean by for freedom Messiah has set us free? Yeah. Well, Messiah set us free so that we would be free. I know it sounds like it's it's uh, circuitous uh, logic, but again, part of what you see here is repetition, 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 because that is what grabs people's attention. I mean, repetition is one of the best way, one of the best learning tools, and Paul uses that a lot. Um, for freedom, Messiah set us free. Therefore, stand, and do not let yourselves be uh, burdened again by yoke of slavery. Now, uh, you often hear people saying that the slavery is following the Torah. Because earlier in chapter four, uh, you see that Paul refers to uh, the two, the story of Hagar and and Sarah. Remember that? Yes. You know, this is a whole week ago. Um, and so you you kind of uh, it's a little confusing because remember last week we we talked about how that. Uh, Paul refers to um, get my right pencil here. Uh, he refers to uh, Mount Sinai as Hagar, and you say, wait, wait, wait a minute. What do we know about Mount Sinai? What took place in Mount Sinai? A Torah was given. How was the Torah given? Commandments. Hmm? Commandments. In the form of the commandments. The commandments, yeah. Light show. And sound showed. The, 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 huh? God's finger. God's finger. Not just God's finger. God's presence, folks. Remember we talked about theophany, the appearance of God? How big stuff! You know, I, I don't know about you, I wouldn't mind having been put in a time capsule and being and zapping all the way back to Mount Sinai. Great stuff. So, please understand what Paul 
is talking about Mount Sinai in terms that seems negative. Remember, he's not saying everything about Mount Sinai was negative. He's making comparison uh, for them to remember that without the Spirit of God, without the presence of the Spirit of God, without Yeshua, then what you have is Hagar. Um, you have certain amount of bondage. Now remember that even Ishmael, we, we saw last week, Ishmael was not someone who was cursed. What did God say to Hagar about Ishmael? He will be blessed. Poquito? Remember that the language that God uses to refer to, uh, to that promise is almost exactly the, the language that God used to refer to Abraham's promise. I will make you a great nation. I will make you into a great nation. So, um, Jerusalem of above and Sarah is, is an allegory. And remember, folks, when you use an allegory, you compare a couple of things. You're saying apples and, and oranges. Uh, you, you're making a point, a single point. You can't say everything uh, about Jerusalem is bad. Obviously not. Why? Jerusalem uh, on earth, the physical Jerusalem, was a place that God says, I want my house to dwell. That's where my name would be. That's where my name would be. So again, he is just making a point for them to realize that if all they're focusing on is the commandments, without the faith relationship with God, without the promise, without the Holy Spirit, then what they're looking at is bondage, legalism. Now, uh, I've been around believing circles for uh, half a century, uh, believe it or not, and I've seen plenty of legalism. Uh, legalism is a natural, uh, is something that we go to naturally. Why? Because we like it. It's something we can do, and it's outward. So we like we can we can do it. It's doable usually. It is. It is doable. You have a set of rules and regulations. You check them off, and you say, "I'm good." And then Yeshua comes along and says, "No, you're not." You, uh, you, you know, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. You say that you keep the, the big ten. Well, let, let me take an example. Uh, you don't murder anybody. Yes, you do. And, and Yeshua takes the Word of God, the Torah, deeper into us. And we say, ooh, uh, you're, you're meddling, Lord. You're, getting, you're stepping my bunions in. And so we like legalism. Legalism is doable. Uh, and you, you find that in the church among fellow believers you find that in the synagogue you, the Pharisees uh, so we need to understand that what Paul is doing here again some of this is review what Paul is doing here is not so much to blast legalism but to draw their attention to that which is really the ultimate and that is Yeshua okay so freedom, 
Paul is saying, for freedom Messiah has set has set you free. Stand firm. Uh, what does he mean by stand firm? Grounded. Grounded. That's exactly it. Don't let some some goofy false teacher come alongside and and whisper sweet nothings into your ear and you go, Wow, this is so cool. Yeah, tell me more. And if you've been around and you listen to the radio and watch TV and after a while your head starts to spin because everybody and their mother says this is the word of God and I'm telling you what you need to do <coughs> you get dizzy and so Paul is saying to them stand firm don't be grounded be grounded that's exactly it um, verse 3 I declare to you that anyone who lets himself be circumcised he is obligated to obey the whole Torah well okay that's that's a given. Uh, verse 2. If you let yourself be circumcised, Messiah will be of no value to you at all. So, and then verse 6, you see that he's saying, in Messiah's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. So, is Paul saying here, that circumcision has no value? No. Why not? Sorry about that. You know I'm a nurse. Uh, yes ma'am, I know you're a nurse. And circumcision is cleanliness. Okay. So therefore that's one of the positive things about it. Right. It has health benefits. You bet. Um, okay. So, what what is to to understand what he's saying here? We need to understand what he is and what he is not saying. I'll just put circumcision for C. Um, what is he saying? Is he saying that there is absolutely no value in circumcision? Okay. Can you amplify that? Well, whether you're circumcised or not circumcised, it doesn't mean you're going to heaven or not going to heaven. It, it, that's correct. And so what we need to understand is a couple of things. First of all, all the believers who were Jewish at that time were circumcised. So did Paul say uh, your mother or your father really did something stupid in having you circumcised? No. Uh, so obviously he is not saying that this is a wrong thing to do. But he is saying, did you catch the in Messiah? This is a, a phrase that appears over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and some people like to make it, you know, very mystical. In Messiah, in a, in a mystical union with, with Messiah. I don't know, I, I tend to be a little bit more simple-minded. Um, identity, again. <coughs> as we identify, then... 
identify. As we identify with Yeshua, what matters is our identity. Yeshua. Okay? Uh, circumcision doesn't get us to a relationship with God. It doesn't promote our spiritual growth. Uh, it doesn't bring us to maturity. It has its own purpose. And for Jewish males, it's part of the covenant relationship with God. And you bet it is important. Anything that is part of a covenant with God is hugely important. But what Paul is saying is that in Messiah, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, circumcision is irrelevant for your spiritual relationship with God. Irene. I, yeah, I'm sorry, I had the thought before you spoke what you just said. Um, circumcision won't get you into heaven, nor will it exclude you. That, that's the, the, the double side of it. Right. They won't exclude you as being a follower of Yeshua. Right. So, uh, again, Paul isn't interested in a big, hairy discussion about circumcision or legalism. What is he after? He's after the heart. He's after the heart. He's after this. Where do you stand in your relationship in Yeshua? Is there anything that distracts you and draws you away that needs to be dealt with, whatever it looks like. It's bondage because it prevents you from having the freedom you're supposed to have in your relationship with God. And as you're reading these verses, you say, okay, Paul, I get it. I really, really get it. Um, you, verse, verse 4 um Well, verse 2, Messiah will be of no value to you at all. Um, verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the Torah have, have been alienated from Messiah. You have fallen away from grace. Now that's strong stuff. And, and folks, I, I, I don't really see uh, the need for us to delve into eternal security, yes or no, and um, God is somewhat narrow-minded and not allowing us to be fitted into a particular uh, mindset. But the point is, Paul is so strong, he is saying, you keep going this way, and your relationship with God is is a big question mark. Uh, fallen from grace is as strong an expression as you can get. Uh, we saw that earlier in chapter 1. If anyone comes talking to you um, about anything that is different, let them go to hell. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Let them be accursed, anathema. Um, so, he, what, what he wants them to understand is don't drift off into, uh, into all kinds of teaching. Now, verse 5, for 
through the Spirit, by faith, we wait expectantly for the hope of righteousness. Sorry, let, let me backtrack to, to verse 4 for a minute. Um, you understand that righteousness in Scripture has uh, has two, two ways whereby uh, we are declared righteous or, or we are in right living right before God one of those of course is by faith and the other one is by works now let me be real clear that there's no no conflict between those two um, and and uh, James talks about works and Paul talks about faith there's no conflict between those two um, we are declared righteous before God uh, that's called uh, imputed big word here imputed righteousness um, by faith however remember folks that faith uh, in scripture both in Hebrew and in Greek um, means a couple of things one is the um, conviction one is the conviction where you say I know that this is the truth this is who God is uh, the other aspect of this word faith is the uh, action faithfulness so uh, complete Jewish Bible has has both of those and there really is no uh, no division between the, the two uh, the Hebrew word uh, emunah is faith in the sense of um, believing and embracing the truth but emunah also comes from the, the word that has to do with faithfulness God is faithful same so there's no conflict here uh, in one part of scripture you have emphasis on on this imputed uh, the other one you have emphasis on the fact that if our faith is real then what comes forth then is our righteousness our righteous acts that please God and so, but but here Paul is after them because they, they got their their thinking twisted in, in, in they're tied up in knots um, he wants them to understand that push comes to shove when God looks at us that there's really nothing that we can do to add up to enough to enough good deeds that God says you're right on the money you're righteous um, for through through the Spirit by faith we wait expectantly for the hope of, of righteousness. And Paul, as I mentioned last last Wednesday, Paul will spend a great deal of time talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of of a believer. Now, uh, if you were to take hundred believers and ask them to explain to you what it means. To, to walk after the Spirit I would be surprised if you get 
5% of those people get, being, being able to give you a biblical answer what it means to walk after the Spirit. Because we still have this silly notion that God says do this and I'm going to do it and that's it. We don't understand the fact that without the empowering the Holy Spirit, we can do zip. Um, something, by the way, that Scripture, both Old and New Testament, teach great deal of. Um, so by the Spirit, we, uh, through the Spirit, by faith, we wait expectantly for the hope of righteousness. In other words, for God to work um, righteousness in us. Um, now, then uh, verses 7 to 11 we come back to, to Paul taking off the gloves and getting real personal with these guys uh, you were running well who prevented you from obeying the truth now if you remember you go through Acts and you find that uh, as Paul went from uh, Antioch Sidian of Antioch Remember that there were a number of cities he traveled in order to establish uh, um, the, the congregations in different places. He went from Antioch, uh, Sidian Antioch, to Lystra, to Derby, and there was another one I can't remember right off. Um, and in each of those, uh, the Spirit of God came up, uh, through the ministry and people came to know the Lord congregations were established and they were going great guns even though there was significant amount of opposition uh, remember that they basically were birthed uh, in, in the middle of a storm because in each of those cities people went after Paul they chased him and, and <coughs> almost killed him in one place uh, so he says to them you guys knew the truth you saw what God was doing and you were uh, going great guns and what happened? What happened to have gotten you um, knocked off course? Now here I wanted to spend a little bit of time um, to talk talking about those people who got these Galatians off course and obviously there is some degree of controversy on that, like everything else in Galatians. Uh, some are convinced that these guys were uh, absolutely had nothing to do. They're completely false in a sense that there were nothing, nothing believing about them. And then there are others who say no. There is evidence that they were, that at least some of them were uh, genuine believers. Let's let's look at Acts 15. Verses 1 to 5. And Raphael, if you uh, can read that, that would be great. But uh, <clears throat> some men came down from Yehuda to Antioch and began teaching the brothers. You can't be saved unless you undergo, undergo circumcision in the matter described by Moses. 
This brought them into no small measure of discord in dispute with Saul and Barnabas. So the congregation assigned Saul Barnabas and some of themselves to go and put this leave from the CJB. So it says Shelah. 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 What is it? Shelah. Yeah, no. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a question. Yeah, question. Yeah. uh, Well, I'll continue reading. That's fine. Okay, sorry. Before the emissaries and the elders up in Jerusalem. After being sent off by the congregation, they made their way through Phoenicia and Shamron. Shamron, yeah. Shamron, recounting in detail how the Gentiles had turned to God. And this news brought great joy to all the brothers. On arrival in Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the Messianic community. Uh, including the emissaries and the elders, and they reported what God had done through them. But some of those who had come to trust were from the party of the Pharisees, and they stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and direct them to observe the Torah of Moses. Okay, now, huh? Yes, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Uh, You see here that it's very clear in Acts 15 that these guys were believers. It was a genuine disagreement uh, because, frankly, people didn't know what on earth do you do with these Gentiles. Um, they understood from Scripture, from the prophetic passages, that God had a special plan for the salvation of the Gentiles. Yeshua tells them uh, at the end of Matthew, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, uh, teaching, immersing them, teaching them to observe things I've commanded you so they understood that the Gentiles needed to come into the kingdom but they had absolutely no clue what that was supposed to look like uh, were 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 these from the uh, party of the Pharisees were these deluded and deceived like a lot of times people think no because up until that point uh, anytime someone who was outside of Israel became part of the community of Israel, community of faith, what did they do? Rachel, you look like you were thinking, dear. Well, um, you were um, saying were these people who, um, well, basically I was thinking um, that it was the apostles who were leading this group that they were going to. So yes, of course they were believers. Well, yeah, okay. They, uh, you, you don't have a council uh, of believers and then invite just any, any Tom, Dick, and Harry off the street to come and participate. So yeah, my, my point simply is uh, up until that point in the Torah, God said there's one law for everybody who is an alien and an Israelite. They all have the same law, which means that anybody who is going to become the com- part of the community of faith, uh, up until uh, up until the book of Acts, was expected to join in with Israel and follow the Torah as as the people of Israel did. So, these party of Pharisee people um, had some biblical support. To say, you know, the Gentiles, yes, we want them to come in, but they need to join in as Ruth the Moabite and 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 Rahab and so on and so forth did. They became part of Israel, 
And so there's this big, huge, hairy debate taking place between them and Paul and Barnabas. Um, so at least here in Acts 15, it's pretty clear that those who are advocating for the conversion, uh, the circumcision of Gentiles, are clearly part of the community of faith. They're not Judaizers. By the way, the term Judaizers is not scriptural. Uh, they're, they're not false teachers. Um, so part of what's unclear um, is the fact that we don't know exactly the timing of what all that looked like. Uh, you have, um, on one hand, you have the council in Acts 15. And then you have the letter to the Galatians. And we're not really clear on the... We're not really clear on the timeline for this. Uh, in other words, was the letter to the Galatians written before the council um, in, in, uh, in Jerusalem? Or was the council in Jerusalem, did that take place before the letter to the Galatians? Um, and, and we can argue that until the cows come home. Let's see the cows. Um, I'm, I'm inclined to think that this had not yet taken place because this, what took place in, in, in the council in Jerusalem in Acts 15, was definitive. In other words, it, it was the word that came from the mothership, from the apostles to all the congregations outside of Israel. Um, and so if you remember at the end of Acts 15, uh, verse uh, 28, Rachel, would you read that when you find it, please? It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Yeah. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Okay. So this letter goes out saying basically four things, uh, three of which have to do with food, and one has to do with immorality. Well, immorality is a no-brainer, okay? Uh, a big problem uh, in, in the Greco-Roman world. Uh, why such a big deal about the food? There was a lot of idol worship. A lot of idol worship. And they got the food sacrifices to Okay, so that's, that's one possibility. It was a place so that they could come and fellowship. If there was a question about the food, then, they, then both... Jews and Gentiles couldn't sit down at the same time. Okay. Uh, remember that uh, what we see Peter saying to the Lord when the Lord says, I, I have an assignment for you in Caesarea with, with uh, Cornelius. What does Peter say to, to the Lord? 
I've never eaten anything unclean. And so by implication is God you want me to go to this to the house of this pagan where the minute I walk in I'm going to become <coughs> unclean and that's and that's where he has the vision the vision by the way is not go to McDonald's and, and have uh, ham and cheese uh, on Passover uh, remember that the way the Lord explained the Spirit of God explained the vision to Peter uh, was not from this point on this is what I want you to eat but from this point on I want you to go and present the good news to those who are outside um, so in, in Acts 15 um, you, you have the apostles, what were the apostles trying to do at that point? Give like a guideline? Give guidelines for what purpose? For the Gentiles to stay, to bring peace between the people who are saying, how do we know they're even converted? Um, and for them having fellowship together. So it was bringing them together? It's that it was it was for the for the purpose of resolving the big hairy controversy, but it wasn't just that. There was a bigger issue. What was the bigger issue? Michael, you you touched on that. The fellowship. Fellowship between Jews and Gentiles. Fellowship between Jews and Gentiles. Um, you're having thousands and thousands of pagans or former pagans coming to the kingdom of God. And, and God wants to see to it that you have unity between Jews and Gentiles. And so uh, what, they, what they said at that point was, uh, if you come from a pagan background and you've come into the kingdom of God, here are several things that we want you to do. Immorality is a no-brainer, but the three food items has to do with the fact that you should be able to uh, if you have a, uh, a congregation, say, in, in, in Corinth or someplace else, and you have Oneg uh, after the service, you have to be able to sit down, the, the Ortiz with the herb box, without saying, ah, unclean, unclean, unclean. <laughs> um, and so, and, and by the way, I, I realize that there are some people who look at Acts 15, and say that was just the beginning. From that point on, they should have followed all 613 commandments. Um, I don't see that. Um, I see what Acts 15 says fairly clear in terms of we want you guys to do the, uh, some basic things in order for fellowship to, to take place. So whatever it is Paul is saying here probably took place before there was the definitive statement, which is why he is pulling off the gloves and going bare knuckles. And so, who are these people who were messing the Galatians? Uh, I don't believe Paul would have said that they that they are false brethren with false motives if they were genuine believers, like what we find in Acts 15. So my point is. What we see in Galatia is probably something a little different. Uh, false teachers, i.e. people who came 
to, to mess with with Paul's ministry as he goes from place to place to place. Okay? Now, when we see the Lord, we'll know for sure. Question number... Uh... I have a question. Yes. Um, so, as we're reading in Acts, um, and it's talking about writing to them to abstaining from the contaminations of idols, um, in 21 it talks about, and for Moses from the ancient generations had has had in every city those who proclaim him since he is read in all the synagogues every Shabbat. So is he basically saying, let them go learn the rest of of the Torah, of the law, as it's been proclaimed in Shabbat and synagogues? Or is that what it's kind of, is that what he's, that's my question, is that what he's coming to? Okay. Uh, that's that's one, uh, one position on that. Okay. That what the apostles are saying to them, we'll we'll start off easy, A B C D, uh, and then after you've mastered A B C D, then we go to to uh, E F G H all the way to Z. Uh, so we want to start you easy, expecting that since the Torah is read in all cities, Moses is read, that you will get it and you will go to the synagogue and you learn. Interesting theory, except I don't see any scriptural evidence for it. Well, we have to remember that synagogues at times could have been hostile to new believers, uh, as well as could have been hostile toward people coming in. Well, yes and no. Um, you had uh, Gentiles who were, who were kind of glommed on to different uh, in different cities to synagogues. They were called God-fearers. Uh, these were Gentiles who said, "I'm not going to worship." Zeus and Hermes and so on. Uh, I'm going to worship the God of Israel, I think. Uh, I don't know exactly what that looks like. And I'm going to hang around with you guys and come to Shabbat service. That's kind of the God-fearers. But they said, I'm not willing to to go the, 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 the whole distance. Uh, so yeah, there were there were significant amount. However, uh, remember that in those days you had hundreds of former pagans coming to the kingdom of God. A lot more than just a few here, a few here, a few here. Uh, that's number one. Number two, as you read uh, Romans and you read Corinthians, there's no, no mention whatsoever uh, of, okay, are you guys getting it? Are you learning the Torah as you're supposed to learn the Torah? Uh, in fact, you get the exact opposite. Um, people are, for example, Romans 14. You guys are, are fussing over uh, food issues. you got to understand what really matters is uh, your relationship with God, your relationship to one another. And you have similar kind of uh, teaching in 1 Corinthians 11. So that is definitely spelled out as, as a teaching. The notion of, well, uh, Moses is taught in the synagogue, that's kind of a argument from silence. And there were other Gentiles too that, that could not become full, could not be, make full conversion like you're saying, they could, because maybe they also had to serve Rome like the centurions and whatnot who couldn't make the full conversion over from God-fearer to God's life. And, and so um, it, it seems to me that wherever you have something spelled out in Scripture, 
then you say, okay, that's where I'm going to park. Where you have a, a slender evidence, little strand here, you go. Um, so, again, uh, what, what we want to emphasize over and over and over and over again is what Paul is saying to these guys is, you have freedom as sons and daughters of God, you have the promises by faith, you are sons of Abraham, you have inherited the, the spiritual inheritance uh, of Abraham, um, and you learn to focus on the freedom that Messiah gives you. Um, and then from there on, he will, he will go to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the next verses which uh, Michael would be, uh, which Rabbi David will be sharing from, uh, talks about the fact that uh, now as part of the new covenant, you have the Spirit of God. Remember what we recite every Shabbat. At service. Are you talking about service. Ezekiel or Jeremiah? Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. Let's turn to it. I wanted, I expect to have it memorized. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 and 27. And William... Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, the prophet. Twenty-five. I shall pour clean water over you, and you will be cleansed. I shall cleanse you of all your filth and of all your foul idols. I shall give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I shall remove the heart of stone from your bodies and give you a heart of flesh instead. I shall put my spirit in you and make you keep my laws and respect and practice my judgments. Okay. Verse 27. I want to park on that and we'll finish. Uh, so I will put my spirit in you and you will do the laws, the commandments, but how will you do the commandments of God? Ruach. Yes. No. Ru. Ru. Ach. Yeah. There you go. Good. Um, I will do something that will cause you to do something. I mean, that, that's what the Hebrew literally says. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to follow my decrees and to obey my laws. And, and that's, that's what Paul is trying to get across to these guys. You've got the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who, is, who has been put in you, who has given you all the power that you need to be able to do the power and, and the understanding, the wisdom, how to do it, and all you guys can see is right over here. You're totally missing 
what it is that God has been promising. And that's why Paul is worked up over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, because he wants to basically take take them and shake them up. You know, it's like it's like a uh, uh, and kids, close your ears for this one. It's like a parent who sees his kid doing something very very stupid and the parent wants to grab them and shake them up and say, do you realize what you're doing? And that's exactly the tone because remember that Paul was saying to these guys over and over again, uh, I have labored to see to it that Messiah was formed within you like a mother uh, because he wants them to come back. He wants them to get the fact that in Yeshua, in Yeshua, remember, identity with Yeshua, sons and daughters of God, in Yeshua, you have the power to do the laws, God's laws and God's requirements. Don't, don't get into bondage by thinking about the laws and requirements and ignoring what it is that God has provided. Okay, Rabbi David, would you finish for us? Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We do pray that you would help us to be empowered by your spirit, to understand um, things that are pleasing to you, and make those same things uh, pleasing to us, that we would do them not out of compulsion, but out of, uh, out of desire to be pleasing to you, and to walk according to your ways. So we just thank you for this time. Uh, pray you would uh, keep us all safe again until we return together in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.